Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I'm your host, Gail Breton, and with my co-founder, Mark, we talk about building authority sites, being small publishers, creating content in net, and essentially getting traffic. If you enjoy these kind of topics, don't forget to subscribe. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that is on everyone's mind, which is, is AI going to take over, destroy SEO, destroy websites, destroy small businesses, and is everything over? Which is a question that if you read social media, a lot of people are asking. I've never seen so many SEO is dead or blogging is dead in my entire career. Uh, and there's legitimate cause for concern. I think lots of changes are ahead and we want it to be as open as we can talking about this in this podcast. So if that is a topic that interests you, we are going to be talking about this right now. But before we do this, we are going to be talking about how Mark is doing. I'm doing good, just as I was doing good three hours ago when we shot the first version of this, this <laughs> podcast. But it uh, it probably belongs maybe more on the philosophy version. Yeah, of the that's, podcast, that's the problem. Because it got a bit theoretical. <laughs> so we want to make this as actionable and practical because a lot of people are talking about negative things. What's going to happen? Like, is it the end? But we want to keep this practical and be like, what should you actually do? What action do you need to take now? to get ahead of this. And we want to talk about what we are going to do. And it's like, uh, I know several people in the industry have come out and already shared what they want to do. And I'll be honest, we diverge quite a bit from a few of these. So it's going to be interesting to like confront ideas, let them reply. And then it's like, that's how it happens, right? The, the debate in the industry and we see what happens. We just want to do a quick recap of essentially what happened for people who have not followed the news. Basically, both Google and uh, Bing have announced the AI search engine following the explosion of ChatGPT that went to like a million users in two months or something like this. When Bard released the Google version of AI, it made some mistakes. Google lost a bunch of value on the stock market, and it just highlighted the fact that this technology is not completely ready yet. When Bing released, it looked a little bit more polished, but we also found lots of issues. And eventually, a few days later, it was making death threats and falling in love with users, which created a lot of steer in a stir on social media, on newspapers, etc. Then they essentially reduce its capacity a lot in the last few days. And if you are an early user, like I've been for a week and a half now, you're now limited to 50 queries per day or five chats per session. So you can't make long discussions. Uh, the answers are a lot shorter. Like ChatGPT gives a lot longer answers, etc. It's just a lot less AIE. <laughs> now it's a lot less interesting. It's kind of like a, a feature snippet on steroid more than like a ChatGPT of search at this point. And so that's where we're at today, right? That's, that's where we're at. <laughs> Uh, you can Google this and find the news, but we really wanted to focus this podcast on like what's going to happen to sites and like in general, what's going to change, right? Just a quick uh, reaction on what happened, the news, etc. Mark, anything you want to say about this? I think that they both are rushing out there. They're surfing this wave of AI enthusiasm that's, that's sort of come out and they're maybe releasing their AI search stuff a little bit too early. Certainly Google, their entire stand seemed very reactionary to what Microsoft and what Bing OpenAI were doing. So yeah, I think they've been working on this for a while. I think they've even said themselves that as, as much that it's, it's maybe not quite ready yet. I think that's the first point we want to go in basically, which is like uh, the first problem with AI and how things are going to change is like, AI answers tend to make stuff up. And, and in general, it's kind of like inherent to the technology underneath. And so when it was connected to the internet uh, with Bing, for example, I was like, oh, okay, great. Then I can fact check itself against web pages. It's going to make a lot less stuff up, right? And so like that is a risk for websites because it can give the answers uh, that way. But I've been testing Bing for quite a bit. And I've, I've run a query as an example for you guys here, which was 
comparing the iPhone 14 Pro to the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra to the OnePlus 10 Pro. Something very practical that someone would be interested in, especially affiliates. And then what I did is I, I just lightly fact-checked the query just to see how accurate this is and is Google the only one making stuff up? And it's not the case. It's like when I went through just the iPhone 14 Pro out of like this small table it made, which wasn't everything in the iPhone, I found five big mistakes in five minutes. It made up a co-processor to the main processor that doesn't exist anywhere. It's nowhere new. It's nowhere to be seen, basically. It made up the camera specs completely. It actually gave the specs of the iPhone 13 Pro. The camera is much more powerful. Same for all the other cameras. It made all the specs up and they're not correct. When I checked also the Samsung Galaxy Ultra, it took some rumors about it, so it didn't give the right amount of RAM. The camera specs were also wrong on every single camera, etc. So overall, not very accurate. And I think it's going to be quite difficult for users to trust this. Some people will probably be okay with that. They don't care that much. But if you're going to buy your $1,000 phone... I think, I think if it's just a general... Their example in Google's presentation was around things to tell your kid about a telescope or something like that. And the, the impact of getting one of those things wrong, not a big deal. The impact of getting something about a $1,500 purchase wrong, a much bigger deal for most people. And then you know you go into things like medical queries or... I had this situation in my kitchen recently where it wasn't relying on AI, but the featured snippet on Google told me to put bicarbonate of soda on this when I burned the wood top, and it made it 10 times worse. So I, I lost a lot of trust in, in there. And it's not going to take many occurrences of people of uh, AI getting it wrong and people distrusting it to have them not use it or jump over to their competitor's AI because they believe that would be more accurate. So they have to be very, very careful here, first of all. Yeah, I don't think Google can release this in, in the current state, or at least not as the main search result. It can be kind of like an accessory. So being in the in the traditional search, they just put this on the right, basically. And so you can still rely on traditional search. And honestly, seeing how much stuff it makes up in one query, like literally, like if I fully fact check it, there'll probably be 15 to 20 things it made up in the numbers. I'm not too worried that websites will be pushed forward for the foreseeable future. But like we wanted for each of these points to also say, how do we address this? And I think for us, it's like taking the counterpart of that and making sure that we become a trusted source of information. We heavily fact check what we do. All the EEAT stuff that we've talked about with Skyroof, et cetera, in the previous podcast uh, is going to be quite important. And so the idea here is that probably this is going to have the same effect that feature snippets have had, right? So we're already in a world where 30% of search queries have no clicks. People rely on the answer they find on the Google subs to not click on a website, not get a traffic site. It's already happened. It's not something that comes with AI. It's been the case for like two plus years. So like what we believe is that some traffic will probably drop from this stuff. Like some people, even though it's making stuff up, will be happy with this and not care that much because maybe they just wanted to know what the new phone is but didn't have any interest. But the people who are about to drop, in this case, we're talking more $1,500 in this phone. People who are about to drop this kind of money, they probably dig a little bit deeper if they're already doing the query and they're likely to click on websites. And that's our opinion. And so we think... And those are the most valuable visitors to your site from an yeah. affiliate perspective, even ad perspective, because they're the people that are going to actually about to buy the thing. The way we approach this is like, in analytics, you look at analytics, like there will be a drop in traffic, we think. But we also think that the traffic that lands on your website will have a much higher conversion rate. They're much more likely to take action, to actually buy items, to sign up to your email list, etc. because they're so invested in the topic that they didn't find that AI answer good enough. And it's like, when we do affiliate funnels or when we do sales funnels, for example, there's that principle where 
you make people consume a big piece of content before you make the sell offer so that you filter people off, right? And I think essentially search engines are doing the same. Like when we were working with some of the biggest fitness affiliates at the time, that's what they were doing. They were making big articles. People had to read the article. Then there was a button for the next page that was a sell offer and that allowed them to qualify the traffic. And I think search engines are going to do that. They're going to qualify traffic more. So you look at analytics, you might see like 30% less traffic, but you also see double the conversion rate maybe or something like this. And so that's where we, the assumption we're operating under so the idea is like, well, we want to build something that is well optimized for CRO, first of all. So we want to, that's something that affiliate sites have not done very well in the past. Like CRO has been kind of overlooked because traffic was easy. It was easier to grow traffic than it was to optimize for CRO. That might change with the change in AI. And overall, just become a trusted source in your niche, like become something that people will want to click on when they see the domain name. I think it's happening to us on Atari Hacker, for example. Like I can see on some queries, we might be like second or third, but there's kind of like less known sites above us. And we still get a click-through rate equivalent to if we were one or two position above because of the brand name, for example. So something like this is basically how we address this. And I think if you run like an affiliate site, for example, traffic will drop but conversions will not drop as much. That's pretty much the, the thing, right? Another way to sort of think about it is when you're thinking about trust, like how much does it matter? Well, in a $1,500 iPhone, it actually matters a lot. That's a big deal to most people. If we're talking about purchasing a $5 box of light bulbs, on the other, other hand, it's much less of a big deal. And as long as they work, do people really want to spend half an hour reading a 2,000-word article about minute differences in light bulb technology between this brand and this brand? Or are they just going to click the feature snippet or the AI answer and spend five bucks on Amazon and buy buy the first one that comes out? They're probably going to do that. So it may tie into niche research, niche selection a little bit in terms of like the value of the products and how much time people are willing to invest to research them. And also another consideration to think about is is AI going to take the traffic from feature snippets? And like, uh, to what extent is it going to do that? Well, probably quite a lot. Yeah, and it's also like, when we talk about traffic erosion, like if I'm like, oh my God, sites might get 30% less traffic or something. So like we're talking like getting from 30% queries with no click to maybe like 50% queries with no click or something. It's something that has been happening, not just because feature snippets exist. It's something that has been happening because a lot of people now search for reviews on like YouTube, for example, because they don't trust SEO results. Uh, or they go, younger people search on TikTok and people also, they use Reddit at the end of their queries so that they can find like more discussions about products, for example, because again, they're not big fans of uh, affiliate reviews, basically. It's something that has been happening already. It's something that we're in the middle of. And so we think, yeah, there will be probably an impact of AI and so similar to when feature snippet came and there could be less traffic. But I think if anything, if the answers are better, people might not go on Reddit, people might not go on YouTube, people might not go on TikTok and go back to search for some of these queries. And that could offset some of that, basically. So that's kind of the way we see this. But all these arguments, what they say is they basically bring the fact that it's a bad thing for one type of site. And that's the sites that rely on page views to make money. It's like if you and the size that we're on page views is basically size that rely on ads. It's the size that the people also ask sites, basically people who find like very easy queries, very st stupid questions quite often that have low keyword difficulty. They write a pretty shitty piece of content. They rank because there's no competition. They slap an Ezoic or Mediavine on this or something like this and they make money. I think these kind of sites 
is at risk actually personally. I mean, it's like they're, it's, they're, not, it's not going to die, but it's gonna it's gonna be a lot less interesting, you know. They're kind of doubly affected as well from uh, how are people going to use AI to find that answer, but also on the publisher side, how are other publishers going to mass spam this kind of content and increase competition yeah. for those keywords for the remaining traffic? Yeah, if like if there's no punishment for AI content, you could imagine like a, a CNET or something starting to spam all the long tail queries as well and making both more difficult on the side of the search engine where essentially there's less clicks through rate, but also on the side of the competition where because the cost of content goes down, you can go down longer tail queries and there's kind of like pressure on both sides. So it's like, in my opinion, the sites that rely on converting people, making people make a purchase decision, whether that's your product or an affiliate offer, they'd be kind of okay because this traffic probably will drop, but the quality of the traffic will increase. And so the sales decrease will be lower than the traffic decrease, basically. Whereas if you realize on a page view, it's clear that some of these questions that search engines are not doing such a good job at answering today, they'll do a better job at answering tomorrow. And therefore, less people will click the same way as like when you search for the weather today, you never click on the website. Like if you're AccuWeather right now, you probably hate feature snippets. And it's something like that is going to happen to more queries that are easily answered. And I think that brings in two things. I mean, the first thing is like keyword selection, right? It's like, it's going to be, we already do this for feature snippet. Like when we teach keyword research in like Atari Hacker Pro, for example, one of the first considerations is like, let's go and read the feature snippet. How much does it satisfy? the searcher, like how, what percentage of people do you think will be happy with this answer and will not click on it? Because, and I see a lot of people, I've seen people saying like, well, we're just going to create a bunch of AI content and then that's going to solve all our problem because I'm going to create 10 times more content, therefore it's fine. But it's not going to be like a haircut of 20, 30% traffic on every website. It's going to be, it's some, be uniform. Yeah, it's like it's like the weather queries. Like the weather queries, they probably went down 99% in clicks rate, whereas some very complicated technical queries probably didn't go down at all, even though feature snippets exist, right? And I, I believe AI will do something similar where the answer will not necessarily be creating content that AI is good at because these are the queries that are most likely to drop in click-through rate because Google will do it better than you do. It's quite a complicated one. And that's how we're kind of taking the opposite stance of this is like, Okay, can we find queries that AI will struggle answering and satisfying user intent? And these queries double down on these and maybe take the foot off the pedal of the queries that can easily be answered by AI and kind of be smart with the cures we're selecting, basically. And that's kind of like what we're going after right now. And another thing as well, I think, is things are going to change in the sense that, you know, now search intent dominates SEO, which is... Let's create the same content as everyone else and then kind of do a little twist on it and we're going to rank. I think if AI replaces featured snippets, which seems to be the most likely effect here, that's not like, you know, the, the main facts of something are going to be summarized, but they will be attributed to the, the, the biggest sites, like the DR90 sites that rank in queries. Let's say you're reviewing the iPhone and you put the weight, for example. Everyone's going to have the weight of the iPhone on their page, right? It's like a, a feature. And to be quoted for the weight, probably they're just linked back to the Apple website, for example. Actually, maybe not even reviewers. They'd be like, well, according to the spec sheets on apple.com, this phone is 280 grams. But if you create unique data about this, you're likely to be included in a summarization from AI. And we believe that the implementation of that as a feature snippet will look a lot like what Bing is doing right now, which is it's summarizing. And then as you hover parts of the response, it shows you the links that it got it from. Like I know Google did not show that in Google Bard. 
it wasn't included, but also they say it's a very early beta version and they're exposing themselves to so much liabilities in terms of what if someone dies from the content they they read on Google and they don't give the source for that. Like they could be pointed out and it's given the fact that they're already being scrutinized, I don't think they would take that risk. And on top of that, there's this whole discussion on like, is Google going to kill all publishers not sending any traffic, therefore there's no source for the AI to write from, etc. It would be kind of suicidal from them in the next five to 10 years if they made all content creation not worth it. So uh, I think these two things, I have no doubt that it's going to look a lot like Bing with a bunch of attributions under. And to be attributed, you if you're a small site, you'll need to create some unique insights so you can be included in the summarization because nobody else mentions that fact, basically. It's also difficult to predict exactly which types of sites are going to be affected in, in in this one, like until the weather featured snippet came out, no one really expected it. So it's it's quite hard to get ahead of it in in that sense. Feature snippet optimization in that case would be completely different. Instead of because now it's taking the quote directly from the site that's ranking, and so you tailor your quote to match what the format Google is expecting, so you have a chance of being taken. You basically need to be in like the top four or five, and you need to tailor that quote to be exactly what Google is expecting, and then they just quote you and they link to you under. Whereas if we do something like what Bing has shown us, which is likely to happen, you know, they make the same mistakes, so they're likely to also work the same way. It's going to take a piece from your content, a piece from another article, a piece, and it's going to quote four or five multiple articles that's going to summarize what they say about that topic, and it's going to say answers taken from this article, this article, this article, this article. But the overlapping facts will only be attributed to one or two articles. That's how it happens, right? If we all write the weight of the iPhone, it's not going to write 10 pages. It's going to write the top two that mention that. But if you have a fact where you have less competition that you've created yourself, like maybe I've tried to plunge this iPhone underwater and I've seen at what depth it uh, it turns off and the water pressure destroys the phone, for example. Let's say something like this, you know, like let's imagine like an actual test for the, the proper waterproof resistance of the iPhone. Then that fact is like is more likely to be taken just from my site because essentially nobody nobody else has done that test. So the idea of creating unique facts, we believe is gonna make you more likely to be taken in a featured snippet that will be created with AI basically, which leads to more clicks because yeah, it's like there's very likely going to be attribution there. So again, lots of speculation here, but we're going off what Bing has shown and the enthusiasm there has been for this format, actually. That's pretty much it. So the next thing we want to talk about is that we don't think that the chat and like the chat GPT interface that you see everywhere when people talk about AI search and you see it with Bing, for example, we don't think it's going to be the default search layout. First of all, it's pretty slow. Uh, on average, it takes about 20 seconds to type the answer to a query, which quite often I get my answer faster with a feature snippet on by clicking on the website, especially when I'm doing product reviews. Uh, and second, it's more expensive to search engines. It's like, on average, it costs seven times more than current Google search, which doesn't sound like a lot. I think it's like, how much was it? So like? There's an article in The Economist recently that it worked out what this would cost if they switched everything over to AI. And they said for every 10% of Google searches that shift over to AI, it could cost up to $11 billion a year in extra costs. Yeah, so that's um, a problem. <laughs> So they're, they're not going to be in any hurry. It was like 
3.6 cents per search or something like that, two, two cents per search using AI. And it's like many times more than it, wa- than it was for standard Google search. And that, so that's a problem. So they're not going to make it the default search engine. And you need to add on top of that the fact that it's also harder to monetize, right? You can't show as many ads, for example. So the way Bing shows that right now, for example, is like when you hover on a part of the AI answer, it shows you the source, but like if there's a related ad, it shows this, but it shows you one ad, not multiple ads. Like now on Google search, sometimes you have three, four ads on top. You also have ads at the bottom. So like a, a, a very competitive sub might get four to six ads, let's say something like this. Whereas now it's unlikely people are going to see four to six ads with an, a chat interface. So not only does it cost more, but also they're likely to make less money because they charge per impression, not per click. It's called cost per click, but really the cost per click is calculated based on your clicks rate multiplied by impressions. So like they would have less impressions and it would be a, a big issue on top of the increased cost. So what's more likely to happen is that is what happens on the default Bing right now. So Bing by default is not a chat interface. It's a normal SERPs. And on the right, you get the AI answer that types out pretty slowly, to be honest. Like it takes, because it first searches for the query again, even though you've just searched for it, the, the chatbot goes and does its own search, summarizes it, then starts writing. And yeah, 20, 25 seconds would be probably the average time it takes to get the answer. Most of the time, if I use the normal search layout, I've clicked on the site before it's typed out. And so for all these reasons, we actually think that that's what's going to happen on Bing. And maybe Google replaces feature snippets with like multiple quotes of multiple sites summarized and attribution, something like this. And then Clicks do get displaced to some extent. They could probably get a bit longer than feature snippets, which is, I think, what would affect the clicks rate the most because it would push content a bit lower. But the people who did not click on featured snippets, I would say they're probably unlikely to click on this as well. On top of the fact that a featured snippet shows immediately, whereas this would need to type out because of the way language models work. It can't, it might be able to catch some stuff or like speed up a bit, but it's unlikely that for many queries, especially long tails, it will have the cache and we'll just need to type it out. So in that time, quite often people will choose to click on the site. So add that to the fact that basically for small queries, it's more difficult to use than the current feature snippets. And I'm more likely to take the information and not click for a feature snippet than this in the way I use it, for example. And add to the fact that it's clunky on mobile. Imagine on mobile, like Google's like, in Core Web Vitals, there's CLS, right? Which is like the stability of your page when it loads. And that's like the worst for this, because as you open it, it types out and the content is pushed down as it types out, like it just expands basically. So I don't know, I don't know how it's going to be like, but my opinion is chat's going to be its own app for Google. They're going to have ChatGPT-like, but it's not going to be in search. It's either going to be in a tab next to images and everything, et cetera, or it's going to be literally a different domain like Gmail is, for example. So yeah, it's like, it will change. There will be AI in the subs, but I'm not sure it's going to be that powerful. And on top of that, the next point I wanted to talk about is the dullness of answers. And I think for this, we need to go back to what just happened with Bing. Like, let's go in, in reality here, what happened. When I just got access to the new Bing, it was pretty good, actually. It was pretty sharp and giving like quite edgy answers where I was like, ah, that's, that's a little worrying. But it also threatened to kill people. And it also tried to convince people to quit their wife for that. You want to say something? And, and, and right, part of the reason why I think it was giving strong answers is not because like initially it was just great, but you could interact with it repeatedly and it would kind of build on that. And you could say, no, I don't mean that. I mean this. And you could go down that rabbit hole. But because of people interacting with that, and I don't know if they're deliberately trying to get that to happen or or not, but either way, it threatened to kill someone. (laughs) It was acting crazy and kind of playing on all those fears that we as humanity have about AI. And so it was was all over the newspaper. So they they cut the amount of interactions you could have down to, was it like five? 
Um, yeah, five foot chat. It forces you to start. Yeah, because otherwise it starts going crazy. But I, I think the most important thing is like the answers. I, I feel like there's a, a tie between the sharpness of the information it gives in its answer and its potential craziness. Because as soon as they kind of like nerfed the personality, then the answers also got less interesting, let's say. I'm sure they can fine-tune it. I'm sure that it will get better, etc., yeah, right? It's yeah, like, this, this will get better, and it, and it won't take too long, I think, to resolve it. But, but I, it, there is a tie here as well. It's like, go on a Bing subreddit <laughs> and go and find some... Like, I have some example of posts we can show in the video, maybe, but literally people are like, Bing chat is useless after the update. Right now, it's either it's neither a chatbot nor a search engine. It's just a frustrating tool. And, it just, and it's true that when you go to the technical way, it's like, it gives like boilerplate answers that are not always very useful. And, and quite often I've found myself abandoning the chat and going to YouTube or going to normal search or something like this. And so like the thing from this is, is basically it's going to be quite difficult for them to put very sharp AI in the hands of in many people because people are going to try to break it. People like to be offended. So when it says something bad that they prompted for, they will just do the headlines with it. And then it's a PR nightmare for a search engine to be too, to have too much personality and too much critical sense almost, you know? Especially where you're trying to get that like early trust, what we mentioned like earlier on in, in the show, so that people actually are trusting it and not think, okay, this is never going to work and they just stop using it. Yeah, so I think like, that's why I'm, I'm seeing more like the Google and so these to this stuff being like super featured snippets and I don't think it's going to be much, much further and they probably will have a chat, but it won't be, it will be for selected people. It may even be behind Google Suite, for example, or something like this. Like I could see something like this and use it as a productivity tool rather than like a main search tool. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. But let's go back into topics that actually affect people on building their sites uh, because this one was more of like what we think is going to happen. And I think it's like, it's pretty clear that, and we've said it many times, that there's likely going to be a traffic drop from SEO. It's hard to tell how much I don't think it's going to be as much as feature snippets have eaten so far already from search results. Which was what, 30%, 30% or 20% yeah. or something? About, about yeah. 30% of searches have no clicks at this point. It's been increasing slowly. It's kind of like this, This uh, it just, uh, it's not called AI, so it does, it's not as scary. But it's something that But has, it's AI technology that's it's behind that's the coming scenes, out the yeah. answer. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's picking the right snippets. So right now, it quotes the sites, but it will summarize in the future, basically. But the thing is, like, we are in a position now where we're like, well, it's definitely getting to the end of the time where you could half-ass a website, put some affiliate reviews on it, not really care about it, not really do any research, pay a cheap writer to write some stuff, paste it, spam a bunch of links to your site, and just basically make a bunch of money. I think these these days are getting more difficult. But to be honest, we don't need AI for this. I think the latest Google updates have done a good job at this. Uh, go on Twitter and check all the case studies of many sites that dropped, etc. And when you check the sites that dropped, they tend to fall under the category that I've just mentioned, how fast websites, basically. And so I think the future is people are going to have to change the, the way they look at site building as like not necessarily the quick and easy moneymaker that it could have been at some point, it's true. But even with our AI, Google updates have done that recently, all the EAT, etc. I think it will change niche selection as well. And we were talking about this when we were preparing the podcast, right? we were talking about 
Let's say you have a VPN site, right? And it's like, I've done this search for best VPN. And it's like, it's not very good either. Like I would still click on the site to get that. But in general, the way it works is like, we see that it's going to be a lot easier for sites that can retain people in their audience. So like people hit your site once and then you can get them in an email list. You can get them to follow you or just impress them so that next time they see your site being mentioned somewhere, they'll, they'll go and check it out again. And they are part of this industry for a while. So we were talking VPNs versus dog. When you buy a VPN, you buy it once, it's done, you have a VPN, the, 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 the need is met. You solve that problem, but you don't necessarily have a big interest in cybersecurity. I know some people do. But not uh, many but people. But with, with a dog, you get a dog and you're a dog person describes you and you care every little detail about your dog and your dog's behavior and food and all that kind of stuff you, you care about. So you find someone that has good content that you want to stick around. Yeah. And so like, I think when it comes to niche selection, we're going to attribute a lot more weight to these kind of criteria, for example, that than there was in the past, because before you could still be that commodity that was in between. If you did a good job, you'd make lots of money. Now if search traffic decreases, even 20%, something like this, it changes the balance a little bit. So it's like, yeah, it depends. It changes all the time, basically. And so, yeah. And I think also um, when I look at this, I look at people who run social media, people who run like YouTube channels, for example, right? Not many YouTubers are just on YouTube. They run a TikTok uh, account. They run an Instagram account, sometimes have a Discord community. They do all of that, etc. And I think uh, in the SEO world, SEO was so good that we didn't really have to do that. And so people could just go all in SEO. And that often made more sense. If traffic decreases, uh, my opinion and the way we're looking at this because we want to focus more on building brands than building sites, basically, content repurposing is something that people are going to have to be looking at. I think it's, it's something that's quite important. And it's a system that we've been working on internally. Uh, we have a cool Notion system that we're working on right now and we'll be sharing it in Pro when it's done. But the boilerplate idea is that you work on like the concept, the idea. So for example, I have a concept in my notion now that is the design ways to display EEAT on your site, for example. That would be an idea that we have. But then from that idea, we can make a Twitter thread, we can make a short, we can make a YouTube video, a blog post, etc. And the idea is you do the research once, you do all the hard work once, and then you can decline that into many formats using the same information. So it doesn't feel like you're creating 10 pieces of content instead of one. It's like, it's just a reform. And actually AI helps a lot with uh, repurposing content as well. So it's like, it's not nearly as difficult as it is, but if you want to build these brands, I think it's going to be one of these things. And you know, you mentioned like the the issue of YouTubers not just being YouTubers anymore and like going multi multi-platform. But you know, the same is also true monetization-wise. Like nobody makes money just from YouTube out. There are very few people because of the nature of the platform. Like they've had to seek out other ways to to monetize. And once they've done that, it's been infinitely more profitable for them than even when five, ten years ago when YouTube ads were were a big thing. So that's, a, I think, another point for looking at different ways to, to monetize your site. I think it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, a lot of people were like, one monetization method, one traffic source. I think that part is probably going to change and you'll need to quickly, maybe not immediately, but quickly start thinking of like, how do I transpose my content to multiple platforms? As a result, you get more rich. And as a result, it's worth creating that content. And uh, and but that also will pose the question of retaining people. And that's why we're talking about brands, not just sites. So creating content on social media, people follow you, but also turning them to an email list. These kind of things uh, will be, I think, more important. Google's been a massive monopoly, one of the biggest monopolies in the history of the world for. 20 odd years now and it's a verb right not many companies have that privilege but very quickly we've seen chat gpt open ai microsoft 
at least threaten it in some way. It's not like the world hasn't seen big technology companies fail to make changes like Nokia back in the day. It is a realistic probability or possibility that even if Google doesn't get dethroned, but instead of being 90% of search, it's 70, in which case you'll have Bing or maybe another upstart that we haven't heard of yet come in and, and challenge it. And you will then be in a situation where you may have to optimize for multiple search engines. And you may say, oh, well, that sounds like a lot more work. Do I have to create twice as much content or figure that out? Well, it's probably a little bit more work. And the first time we did this podcast, we went on this like 20-minute <laughs> ramble about yeah. optimizing your site for Bing and Google and no indexing uh, certain pages so to, for pages, Google, but yeah. not for Bing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sure we'll do a whole podcast on that if if it does become a reality. But the fact is that when the market changes like that, it usually creates a hell of a lot of opportunity. And if you're early in the door, then that can be seriously big bucks there. Yeah, let's just jump on to the next point because I don't want to expand on this more than we have in the previous version. The next point is kind of like going to be a more positive thing. It's like we've talked about, oh, traffic might drop, etc. Things might happen. Not as much as feature snippets, but still. I think one thing that we have on our side is that now using AI to help you create content is a thing. And you can, in a responsible way, use AI to create content. But the problem is like most people struggle with that responsible definition. And that is that they see the compose button on whatever AI tool they have and it's just like, and then it's like, that's it, I have my article. I've been using AI to help me create pretty decent content recently, but it's kind of like a live editing process where it helps me make the base outline, then I edit it, then I make it right the first draft of the first paragraph, then I edit it, etc. And based on the context, it makes it better. So it's still a process that takes like a few hours to make a pretty good article. Would it be fair to say the AI is, you're the writer and the AI is your assistant yeah. rather than the AI is the writer and you're I see just it most like a go button? It's kind of like a ghostwriter, you know, it's like people like, and that's the thing, it's like a lot, when Google came out with their new guidelines, they're like, oh, you can use AI content as long as it has EAT. And people are like, ha ha ha, AI having EAT, that's fucking bullshit, etc. you know? And it's like, well, actually, quite often you read ghostwritten books that where the author has none of the experience about the person that he's been writing for, yet you read their words, you know? And I kind of see it the same way where it's like AI, it's basically a live editing process. Instead of like sending a task to a writer, they write something, they get back to you, you check it out, you edit, you get it back to them, etc. It's live, you know, as they do it, you do, you, and then you reselect what you didn't like and you're like, I'll oh, rewrite this section, do this, make this more, change this point to something like this, etc. And the AI does it live as you do this, but you're very much overseeing every single sentence that is written. And so that's how you make sure it doesn't make stuff up and you feed it facts, et cetera. And then eventually you can create pretty good content and it's still significantly faster than if you were just writing from scratch. Like it saves a lot of time. And so I think that's one of the things that a lot of us are going to have to learn to use responsibly so that you don't publish shit content. And it's like, I've shown you some drafts of stuff I've been doing. It's like, it's getting pretty good, actually. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with it to the point where like, I'd be happy to publish that even on a toy hacker. And I think most people couldn't tell. And another thing that AI is very good at, and I mentioned it earlier, is repurposing, right? So once you've done your article with it, you can be like, oh, make me a Twitter thread or make me the script for a short for this, for example, something like this. And you'd literally have the script. You read it to a camera, send it to a video editor, and bam, you have like another piece of content, for example. And so it's not as difficult to do the content repurposing as maybe it was before. And so using AI together, it basically you create more content 
even if that content gets a bit less traffic, that's the Madigity argument, actually. You can still output more content, but I'm not on the side of fully automating, uh, automating this. And I'm actually, my next blueprint on Ethereum Pro is this process, is, is actually showing how to create non-shit content with AI, which uh, is more challenging than it seems, actually, because it's easy to create an article. It's hard to create an article people want to read with it. That's going to be one of the things that, should come out pretty soon in Auto Hacker Pro, actually. Okay, so try to make this podcast as complete as possible. We actually, I went on Twitter and asked people, hey, do you guys have questions for us? Do you want us to go through in this podcast so you can't accuse us of picking stuff up, etc., cherry picking what we're doing and who we, uh, what questions we're answering. And so we went through them and let's go through them right now. So we have Catest Toolkit that said, uh, Matt John Vanissi, I'm sorry, I, I'm not very good at pronouncing this name, tweeted that affiliate sites slash affiliate marketing are soon to be dead due to AI. What will Autoria Hacker do to teach others how to make money online if the business model is teaching others about niche sites and affiliate marketing? Do you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, so the problem with Twitter is that when people say, you know, this is dead, they don't always mean like it's going to go from 100 to zero tomorrow. There's often a lot more nuance in it than you can fit in in 160 or whatever characters. Do we think SEO, affiliate sites, authority sites are going to die in the next year, in the next five years? Absolutely not. Do we think they're going to change significantly? Yeah, probably. Almost definitely. But you could also argue that they have also been changing pretty significantly for a number of years now. Okay, we go through periods where there's like a relative plateau and then there's a big shift. This is likely, I think, to be the biggest or certainly one of the bigger shifts. But I wouldn't be so quick to say this is all going to go away tomorrow and let's jump off this sinking ship just yet. Especially with like the approach of like creating a brand, being on multiple platforms, etc. Still like using your site and written content as your as your anchor and your base. I think there was an interview with the CEO of Microsoft, right? And he was asked that question on The Verge, if you want to check it out. And they were asking like, okay, what are you going to do about publishers? Like, you're going to summarize everything they do. Nobody's going to click. Sites are going to die. And the, guy was like, and, and the CEO of Microsoft was like, well, if sites are dying or if we don't send enough traffic to websites, they're going to update the robots.txt and they're going to block our crawlers. We won't be able to use their content to summarize anymore, which I think would be true, especially for big publications. If they, if they have people on payroll, they don't make their money back, they will block, they will put a paywall. Everyone's going to become a paywall, basically. And it's like content is going to be paid on the internet. So he was like, no, we need to quote things enough. And honestly, the new being quotes like links a lot, actually. Whether people are going to click, I don't know. I think they will. But like he was like, we'll find ways to drive traffic. We'll change the AI if we need to. Because essentially, search engines are going to die if we don't have content to draw from. And it's like, I, I, I believe that. And I think it's going to be okay most of the time. And also, things are changing. But it's like, we've reshot the authority system three times already and given it for free to everyone who ever bought it, basically. That is a testament of like how things have changed. And just to do two minutes of advertising, we actually give all the free updates, all the updates for free to what we do. So if, if the way you do affiliate marketing changes, and even if affiliate marketing is not the model, it's like, let's say affiliate marketing is like, well, it's not really worth it anymore, but there's a new model of like building mini funnels in micro niches that allows you to build content, capture an audience in a niche and monetize it. 
then we'll change the training to that and then we we'll just essentially give it for free to everyone who is a member, basically. That's pretty much it, you know? I suspect Matt, when he made that statement, may have like intended it, maybe, maybe we'll correct us here, but may have intended it to apply to a, a specific subset of affiliate sites that, you know, when you think of like a thin affiliate site or a, a shitty affiliate site, the types that are not creating very good content and that AI content or AI summarization is just going to do a better job than they're, they were doing in the first place, then yeah, they do look very vulnerable. Yeah. Let's take the next question. So, you know, it's going to take two. Uh, so someone, uh, Gary Dubs, was asking the death of topical authority as a ranking factor once everyone auto-generates 200 plus supporting articles. And that's a cool one. That's actually a really cool question. I wanted to talk about this because topical authority is super hot right now. But it's true. If you could press one button and get all these articles written on your site, how is that a differentiating factor? How does that help you? It's basically a zero-sum game, right? It's, you could literally have a WordPress plugin that's going to come up with the keywords, auto-generate everything, put it on your site, and uh, supposedly you would rank well. But if you've listened to our podcast with Carol Roof as well, we've talked about the expansion of the definition of duplicate content. Essentially, the idea is that duplicate content could become something that is duplicate on a conceptual level, which means the same points are talked about in the same order, in the same pattern, etc., which AI is very likely to do when you auto-generate it, especially if you put very little effort behind each page. And so if that's the case, the idea would be like, you just generated 200 pages of duplicate content on your site, and I don't think you're necessarily achieving topical authority here. I think maybe the way search engines will probably look at this is like, how much new information do you contribute to your industry as a topical authority thing, rather than how many copypasta uh, articles do you have on your site, which uh, essentially now is just a click of a button with AI. So, yeah. I also don't think too many people teaching topical authority are suggesting like pre-AI, oh, you should just, doesn't matter what you write, just mention the words and it can be shit content. Like there's, there's still a threshold for it to be, I think, considered. If Google knows that your content is shit and is not going to rank it, why would it necessarily count it towards your relevancy if it's if it sees that shit content? Like surely there's some kind of quality threshold there, no? I think so. And so like again, it's gonna be like how much effort do you put behind each page? And then it's like then you can't auto-generate the added value on top of AI content, which is really where the game's gonna be. And it's like I had this analogy in the previous podcast notes actually where it was like creating websites before it took a week before your site got live. Now it's one click and two seconds, you know? Did making websites get easier? I would argue no, because then the difficulty moved somewhere else. It moved onto the content, it moved onto the UI, it moved onto the things that you could not automate with one click. And I could see similar things happen with websites where the boilerplate content that maybe was valuable once gets essentially, it's a one click thing like the one click WordPress deployment, but then you will need to find ways to add value on you on top of your articles. So original data, illustrations, easy scannability, interface, etc. All these things will need to be added to your content because that's not going to be easy to one-click do it, basically. And then these pages will be on top of the queries. The next question from Mikey Melino, Mikey T. Melino, is how would you pivot a site that is particularly vulnerable, e.g. an informational content site? And we've talked about this in this podcast that that's probably the, you know, essentially the idea of like creating low competition articles, slapping Ezoic on it or Mediavine, and then trying to rank for that, get a lot of traffic, and then that makes decent money. I think that's the business model that's the most likely to be disrupted because these kind of like quick answers that these articles give can be given by AI pretty much. And so it's like a, a lot of the traffic would drop. And my answer to that would be that you need to elevate your monetization. It's like 
just monetizing with ads. It's like, we talked about the qualification of traffic earlier, right? We said like, you know, let's say traffic drops 30%, but the people who click through are the more likely to buy because they're the ones that are the most invested in topic because they choose to click, right? It's like, it's a qualification process that happens. And so if that's the case, the problem with the ad network is it doesn't, it does attribute a bit more value to these people if they already have like a, a search history in this industry and they can show retargeting as that the bidder is willing to pay more, et cetera, but not to the point that it will probably make up for the traffic drop. So the trick is like, you need to elevate your business model, which is either you need to find something to sell to these people, basically. So capture them and either you can sell either your own products or you could sell a high paying affiliate offer, for example, capture them with a lead magnet as well. Like you're getting the traffic right now. You can get people on email list. There's no AI search on Google. You can start building that. And also for the, if there's less traffic that comes, you essentially will be able to bring more back with your email list, with your social followers, et cetera, and find a way to sell them something basically. And that's why niche selection is going to change as well. Like some niches is going to be difficult to do. I can't really think of an example now, but it's like in some niches, you won't have much to sell to people if you're answering like a very mundane question, like how to tie your shoelaces. Like it's like, I don't think. People are very interested in buying shoelaces. They just want to know how to tie them, you know? And so like for these kind of queries, yeah, I can see the biggest disruption coming there. And it's, let's be honest, I think that's the biggest issue here. You want to add something else? The question is like, how do you pivot a site? But I would just add to that, you know, if you are doing sort of like going into a niche right now, then you might want to think about what that means for your niche selection as well. So like how quickly, how easily can AI answer the queries that you're answering on your site? How good of a job does it do? Go on ChatGPT and just type your keywords and it will give you a bit of an idea. And it's like, am I truly happy if I really care about doing this? Because quite often we read the answers, we're like, oh my God, it's amazing. But then start Googling, start searching something that you really care about. You're about to make a decision that costs you money. Quite often you'll find the answers are not sufficient and you're likely to turn to another resource. So I think it's quite important to actually read, which very few people do. They just amaze the answers. We'll fit you snippets, sorry, Bio Adspadina one said, we'll fit you snippets, go away, or will AI incorporate the snippet into its sensor, i.e. is it worth targeting snippets? It's hard to tell what's going to happen exactly. This one, we can't tell how search engines are going to take it. We can just answer from what we've seen. When we've seen Google Bard, essentially it was taking the place of the featured snippet. It was not attributing at the time. We're taking the bet is going to attribute for reasons we mentioned earlier, and it's going to probably quote multiple sources. It's going to summarize multiple pages, quote multiple sources versus one. But the thing is, optimizing for feature snippets, if that is what happens, becomes a complete different game. Because now the game is put the right sentence, Google, like rank top four or five, and put the right sentence or section on your article that Google is likely to take as feature snippets, so you jump to number one. In the future, AI will summarize that. Therefore, they won't take a specific part of your article, but rather rely on concepts and facts, like what you're talking about. And so optimizing for the feature snippet will be providing something unique and original to the topic that is not present on higher authority sites than yours on the sub, I think. And so like, is like sniping, I mean, Honestly, there's no Google Bot even announced for release right now. So should you optimize for feature snippets today? Yes, you should still do that. In the future, will the feature snippet game be the same? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be completely different. So, but I'm not sure we'll see Google Bot before the end of the year or something like this. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> you know, like a, a lot of people are kind of reacting to something that hasn't actually necessarily been implemented fully yet. And while we definitely need to be aware of that, and, you know, especially if you're like, planning a new site or something longer term to think about these these things 
don't stop everything you're doing and yeah. just sit in a panic and, and just wait to, to, to see what happens. You need to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like lots of people look for excuses to not do anything because things might change. And it's we see that quite often. And it's like, no, it's like right now we're still doing, we're still hiring writers and creating content the same way that we're doing as usual. And if, if and when things change, then we'll adapt the strategy. But it's like, if you always take the assumption, like one day the earth, the earth is going to end and we are like, there, there will be no more humans. Therefore, is life worth living? Still probably yes, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, let's take the next question. That was for the philosophy podcast. Um, Mira Jewel SEO says, what's the future of traditional sites like best reviews? Do you want to take this one? Yeah. So if you don't have interest thing around your site, like if your, if your site, the function of your site is doing reviews, then why are people going to come, come back to you? It's like, you can't really build a brand around that. Now I am aware there's a, a site, which I've been following for 15 years or something called trustedreviews.com in the UK. And they, they do really excellent reviews, but they're, it's very like tech reviews and they have like a, a proper editorial team, real journalists, and people follow them because they, they, they value your opinion. If you get to that level, sure. But if you're a top 10 reviews.info, just reviewing whatever affiliate keywords you can find to hopefully send a few people to Amazon and make some money, then you don't really have much of a future, in, in, in my opinion. The thing is, like, it's already been happening with core updates, et cetera. Like, it's the yeah. kind of sites that have been destroyed. It's not necessarily an AI thing that's going <laughs> to wipe you out. It's the EAT focus of Google, et cetera, you know? Algo updates, which they're using AI in that process is likely going to hit you long before all all of your search gets yeah before Bob gets released basically and I think as I want to go back to like how we define an authority site on the site like we have a, it's the page almost is an update um, but what we talk about here I think is always going to be relevant and the idea is like build a site that targets a specific niche build an audience using this site and build a business model that monetizes this audience. That's basically the definition of that. And that part is not changing. What might change is what kind of content gets traffic. How do you monetize the traffic? How do you select the niche you're going after? Like these very important details, but details of that will change. But the concept of gathering people together that care about a topic, finding something that they will trade money for based on that topic, and essentially presenting that to them in an attractive way, that part's not going away. And so that's what we're going to keep doing. It's just like whether that is that creating different types of content, whether that is finding new ways of monetizing. I think, I mean, honestly, I would love to talk more about funnels, actually. It's like, I love funnels, but uh, we haven't talked enough about it. They're amazing. Like, honestly, <laughs> they're they're far better than, than aff affiliate, right? We've never talked so too much about it because honestly, people don't pay attention to it. But the truth is like, I love creating funnels and I think it's, it's, it's my favorite way of monetizing an audience. And I, if it becomes trendy, great. We can talk more about this and we can share a lot of stuff that we've done with this because we have. And so I think that's, that's the important part that people need to understand is that the details can change and AI will move the industry. There's no doubt about this, but this concept is always going to be true. So I think now it's kind of like the, the wise words of the end, right? It's like, that's the first thing we want to say is like, change has been constant. We had to reshoot our courses so many times. I think our Vimeo account has like 800 plus videos in there, even though the live course has like half of that because we had to reshoot stuff all the time and things change all the time. Feature snippets, it's not that old. They've changed search 
arguably potentially more than AI will. Like it's like um, they've reduced, they've removed thirty percent of clicks. The way people search has changed. People go on Reddit, like or like add Reddit to their queries. They search on TikTok now. It's been a huge one. People find reviews on YouTube, etc. That's been eroding clicks. Core updates, medic update, link spam update, helpful content update, all that stuff. That's been changing search a lot. Search intent becoming so predominant. The fact that before links were king, you could rank any piece of content as long as you had your title tag with the keyword and you had a, more links than your competitor, regardless of the angle you took on the piece, you could rank it. Whereas now, if you don't actually match the format Google is expecting, you're unlikely to rank. That has changed completely the way we do content. And honestly, I've been complaining about this long enough that I'm actually a little bit excited by change, actually. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, all the recent updates with Google. So like this stuff has been happening the whole time. It just sounded a little bit less scary because it wasn't called AI. And I think AI, we all have these sci- sci-fi fantasies in our head that it's just gonna, Skynet. it's gonna replace everything. And I like the quote from Bill Gates on this, which is, we always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years, but we underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. And I think that's particularly true today. If you listen to the CEO of OpenAI, for example, he'll tell you, you guys are going to be disappointed by GPT-4 because everyone's expecting it's going to be Skynet. But he's like, no, it's an iterative improvement over it. It's better, but it's not necessarily going to change the status quo on what AI does today, you know? And I'm, I'm pretty sure being right now is GPT-4. Like they didn't call it GPT-4 because they saved the name for OpenAI, but when they released it, they say next generation uh, OpenAI model. So it's like, it's, it's likely something very close to this. And so like building, as I said, building your brand, building an audience around, selling them stuff, whether that's essentially making a niche site that writes reviews and then monetizes with affiliate, or whether that's building a lead magnet that gets people to sign up, that then sells them products through email. That's always going to be happening. The modalities are going to change and we'll just adapt with the market like we've always done. And my personal take on this is that actually from using Bing for the past week and a half, I haven't found it that good as a search engine. Quite often, as I said, feature snippets do a better job. But as a productivity tool, I think it's going to change everything. So like as an assistant for content creation, et cetera, it's changed a lot of things for me. I like to try to use it in everything I do because I think it's, it's, a, it's a really powerful tool. It would change. It will help content creation as much as it will take away from traffic. Kind of like that's the way I'm looking at it. And it's just a, you're going to have to shift with the market, evolve or die. But that's always been the case. That's like this market is high risk, high reward and people who follow the market do well, you know. I would even say it's like high risk, high reward. It's just like nobody gets into SEO or site publishing because they think they're going to do the same thing for forever. It's always changing. You're always relying on some big external force, Google or some algorithm. But whenever there's change, there's it creates big shakeup with a ton of opportunity. So if you're someone that can deal with that and is ready to seize that opportunity, then I think it's a great time to be in this game. Yeah, especially considering that the subs now are saturated with like big publishers, things like that, et cetera. That might actually shake that up. And it's like, I think that tra- that's a traffic erosion we didn't talk about as well as big publishers going after niche queries as well. That's one thing that has happened as well. But like, it's like, it's hard to tell exactly what's going to happen. What we know is it's going to change. And what we know is that AI is both a tool that gives and takes, I think. It gives on one end in terms of uh, it's going to help a lot content creation and a lot of tedious tasks. And it might take away from mundane queries, especially sites that rely on page views, I believe. So that's pretty much, we try to be as honest as we could in this podcast. Like, it's like, we don't try to like cotton candy it or something like this, but we also 
pretty optimistic. We're hiring human writers right now. Let's say we're building a bigger editorial team, etc. And we're not stopping this for that. Like we'll just adapt what they write. We'll adapt how they work. We'll make them use AI. We'll do whatever it takes that the market changes. But yeah, it's the, it's all good basically. Any final words of wisdom, Mark? No, the last words were my final words of wisdom. So, All right, cool. Well, thank you for listening. We are going to be seeing you next, in two weeks actually, for another episode. And if you want the podcast notes with a bunch of screenshots about stuff we mentioned, so we tend to base what we talk about on real facts, you can find them on atoyhacker.com slash podcast. And we also have 300 plus episodes that you can check out there. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, and we'll see you in the next episode. See you later.